Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 123 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello. Oh, and we have special guests here today because we are still talking, after three episodes, still talking about the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame. And we have with us this week two members of the panel, uh, Mr. Nick Hestelo and Mr. Danny Torres of Fandomonium. Welcome to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast, guys. What's up, guys? What's up, man? Thanks for having us. Oh, yes, absolutely. I want to have you guys on for quite some time. Before we start talking about the Hall of Fame, if you guys want to let our listeners know a little bit about Fandemonium, what you guys do, what it's all about, go ahead and talk that up for just a moment. Man, it's just a it's a good page for any wrestling fan to come on and you know just check out collections and you know we get to hang out with some wrestlers every once in a while and you know, stuff like that. It's general collectors and fans. That's what it's all about. Danny. He, he said it the best, you know, um, we made the page maybe two years ago. Uh, the members are great. Uh, we interact with the wrestlers and, 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 and us. I mean, I, there's a lot going on. I love it. You know, I definitely do love it. It's, I know you guys have pandemonium for a reason. Cause it's yes. pandemonium in there all the time, man. There you go. All day. <laughs> all day. We have our lives, you know, everybody interacts with each other. It's, it's pretty awesome. And I know that you guys recently had the Godfather on. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's coming Which, back pretty soon as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that like those guys said, if you are not a member on Facebook of Fandemonium, join up today. You will not regret it. I am a member, and I enjoy it. It's a really cool group on Facebook. That, again, is Fandemonium. So get get there right now. What are you waiting for? No time like the present. What we are discussing on this week's show, of course, once again, this will be the third and final installment of the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. And for those of you that have been, I know Aaron's going to zone out because he's had to hear me say this like six times because we've done like six segments. But if uh, you have already listened, some of the listeners are going to be like 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. I will go over the criteria that we had to vote on, what our initial 20-person ballot was, and, of course... The, uh, the criteria, the criteria to consider to enter the Hall of Fame were 10 plus years as a pro and exceptions could be made in a situation like Magnum TA in ring ability, promo ability, 
being of significance to the business, whether as a whole or to a certain promotion or territory and drawing power. And what I had all the panelists do was send me nominations. And based on those nominations, we got to a 20 person ballot. That ballot was as follows. Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes, The Undertaker, Roddy Piper, Bobby Heenan, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Steve Austin, Bruno Sammartino, Randy Savage, Paul Heyman, Vince McMahon, Sting, Andre the Giant, Ricky Dozon, Stu Hart, Gene Okerlund, Terry Funk, and Jerry the King Lawler. So that was your 20-man ballot. And then we got down to the final eight. The top eight vote-getters from the 12-person panel became the inaugural class of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame. We will talk about them individually with Danny and Nick here, and then also talk to you guys about some of the people that you nominated or voted for that didn't get in, and, uh, you know, why they should be in next year, why they should be, you know, why we should get them in the Hall of Fame. And just to let you guys know, a rule that I kind of came up with as we've gone along organically here is um, guys will remain on the ballot that got nominated this year that didn't get in, but someone's only going to get five years, and if they don't get in in five years, then they're off. They're out. Yeah, we'll call that so. the, the the hanging Chad. <laughs> that was Chad Austin's. Um, yeah, that was Chad Austin's suggestion. Like, yeah, all right, That's all right. The hanging Chad rule. <laughs> I like that. So the uh, the guys that got in, and we will again go over them with Danny and Nick individually. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Undertaker, Bobby Heenan. Andre the Giant, Randy Savage, Vince McMahon Jr., and Stone Cold Steve Austin. That wound up being the inaugural class of the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. And uh, I guess, guys, we'll start with uh, a pretty obvious Hall of Famer. You can't argue. Bre- or, uh, um, you got your Heart Foundation shirt oh, on, yes. and It made me want to say Bret Hart. We will, talk, we will talk about Bret, though, for sure. But Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan in the Hall of Fame, the inaugural class. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, it, it's Hulk Hogan. Like, he's got to be, in my eyes, he's got to be in the, the first, one of the first inductees. He's got to be for, you know, he 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 carried the company for so long, for forever, you know, and then he had the first major babyface heel turn that, I, you know, I can recall seeing. So, for me, that's an obvious choice. Um, as far as Hulk Hogan, I believe he made wrestling. I mean, he brought it to, he brought it to, uh, the mainstream. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was born in 84 and Hulk Hogan is all I know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like I've talked about on some of the other episodes we've done. He was the first guy. I mean, you could go back to gorgeous George or something back in the fifties, but Hogan was really the first guy of the modern era of wrestling to transcend yeah. the business to, yes. you yeah. know, to it's, and, and Aaron's heard me tell this story probably in every segment, but the thing that always, the thing that always sticks out to me is that I remember reading a story where a guy was in Africa. I think it was in like 88 or 89. And he had a, he, he would show people a picture of Ronald Reagan and he would show people a picture of Hulk Hogan. They had no idea who Ronald Reagan was. But yeah. they damn, damn sure knew who yeah. Hulk Hogan was, yeah. you know. Global sensation, so. man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the guy could wrestle too. If you've ever seen any of his stuff from Japan, you know, exactly. people like to people like to dog on him about, about yeah. doing the shtick. But the shtick was what needed to be done. It's what people wanted to see, you know. Ed, well, Go ahead. You know, I, I don't want to step on anybody because I've been on a couple of these. But talking about it being a worker, um. 
a worker isn't just about being able to do the moves and um, like, I don't want to say it. Like, it's not all about being, being able to do the moves. It's about selling. Mm-hmm. And Hogan is one of the greatest sellers in professional wrestling. Like, he would get beat down and beat down and beat down, just sell it and sell it and sell it. Yeah. And then do that that Hulk up deal at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like Hogan for 80% of his matches just got his ass beat. And then it was all about him coming back from it. You know, like nobody could sell it. Nobody could sell a beating better than Hulk Hogan. Maybe Shawn Michaels, but maybe. His was over-exaggerated though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Hogan sold it believably. Like he's getting his ass beat. And then he finally, Figures out the time to be able to block that that that, exactly, that exactly. one last punch, and then he's he's in it, you know. Exactly. Like, and and like Nick alluded he, he to, doesn't, he, he doesn't get enough credit for that. And not, like Nick alluded to, because everybody wants to hate him. And like Nick alluded to, then when the babyface shine kind of wore off, Hogan did that heel turn and literally gave himself a second career. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The way he transitioned, you know, mm-hmm. unheard of back then. Like, yeah, nobody knew that was coming. And yeah, and like you said, it it gave him a second life that lasted what another ten years mm-hmm. still going today. You know, yeah, well, the red and yellow. But I, I was thinking about it the other day when I was watching that uh, when he uh, turned hill, right, and doing it to Macho Man at the time. It, you know, it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and, how, and how fortunate, yeah, I was going to say how fortunate to do that with their history and everything yeah, exactly. that Macho exactly. could be a part of that. And well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Anybody, anybody, anything else on the Hulkster? Brother. Brother. Go ahead, Aaron. I said it, it on a maybe a couple of these. Anybody, like I was born in 83 and you said you were born in what, 84? 84, yeah. Um, Nick, when you were when were you born? Eighty three. Eighty three. With me. After Christmas. Lucky. Hulk Hogan is fucking professional wrestling, and anybody that tries to tell you that's in our age group, I wasn't a Hulk maniac. Is a fucking liar. <laughs> You're a fucking liar. Exactly. And they just, they just want to pose and be cooler than everybody else. We yeah. were all fucking Hulkamania. Well, Everybody loved that motherfucker. You were an Ultimate Warrior guy. Exactly. Yeah, I was always a Hulkamania. Yeah, anybody that anybody that says that Hulk Hogan didn't fucking yeah. with your, take with your them little, away is a lie. With your little with your little change in voice, like, I love Hulk Hogan. Yeah. yeah. Anybody yeah. that says they didn't love him is a fucking liar. Yeah. They just want to yeah. be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can still watch him to this day. I could turn on my network. Just watch Royal Rumble '90. I love it. You know, I could watch it. Mm-hmm. Like you know? it, it, like anybody that would be like, I don't like Hulk Hogan. The minute he walks into a room, every single one of us would be like, Jesus Christ, it's Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> Bro, my, my three-year-old son knows who Hulk Hogan is. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about him cutting his promos? From what I, 
from what I learned um, recently that they were doing it live. There was no mm-hmm. no recording it. No. And, yeah, no. Well, the way he cut it, man, he came with the energy. Remember? Yeah. I mean, and, there, and there's something to be said for that too. Like Aaron was saying, it's first of all, it's not only about the wrestling moves. Um, there are, there are lots of great wrestlers that I thought are great wrestlers in the in the ring, but I mean, let's be honest. As good as he was, Fit Finley didn't have the charisma to be you know, the top guy on the card. Yeah, and that, yeah. you know, there's something to be said for that charisma too, you know. Yeah. Barry Windham, Barry Windham is a better worker than Hulk Hogan, but he's not Hulk fucking Hogan. Right. Exactly. Yep. The next guy that we're going to discuss that got in, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Probably, no. probably the 1B to Hogan's 1A in the 1980s. Yeah. You know, they... They were running. They were running neck and neck for a lot of the decade, and then the bottom fell out of the NWA and yeah. WCW. That wasn't Flair's fault. That was the people in charge. But Ric Flair. Now we talked about Hogan not being the best quote unquote wrestler. Ric Flair probably, arguably the greatest wrestler of all time. I know there's there's a lot of case to be made for a lot of other people, and uh, I'm blabbing here. This is a. Uh, Danny, what do you think? The Nature Boy. All right. So if you guys want to know the honest truth about how I feel about Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was born in 84, like all of us. Uh, we're around the same age. I was a WWF guy. So when it came to Ric Flair, I didn't really know him until he mm-hmm. came came aboard 1990 or 1991, whenever that was. So, um, you know, now that I'm older, older and I could just watch back on Ric Flair. Yeah, of course, this guy has a, a nice resume. Um, he's definitely top three. You know, if I had a mm-hmm. list, it would be Hogan, Macho, Flair, then Brett. But um, as far as Flair, I mean, there, there, I can't really talk about growing up and watching him because I did not do that. But as far as respecting him, you know, as, as I got older, yeah, you know, I was watching Royal Rumble the other day. Uh, I don't know which one it was, but there's one thing I like about Ric Flair is when uh, we, we were talking about the way wrestlers sell. You guys remember when he got hit, he would like stand up and walk funny and then throw yeah, do the face plant. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one that, done, that did it better than him, you know? So as far as Flair, I mean, he had everything. He had the entrance. He had the look. Um, he could wrestle. Um, I would have loved to see him start in 84 with Hogan in the WWF, you know, and see where that would have went. But um, mm-hmm. as far as Flair, you know, um, like I said, I, I was a WWF guy. I didn't really get to know him. Even when he came aboard, I think he only stayed in the WWF for two years or, or whatever. Yeah, it was like, uh, I think, uh, August of 91 until yeah. January of 93. Yeah. Exactly. So there, there really wasn't yeah, much he there. Out, he went out in, like, the fourth Raw, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Third yeah. Raw. Third Raw. Right. The third episode of Raw and lost that career match to Mr. Perfect. Yeah, but he was entertaining. I'm not going to take anything away from Flair. There's, um, he was definitely, he's definitely, um, he was definitely um, one of those guys in the '80s that that uh, helped the business. Mm-hmm. Nick. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same boat with Danny. There, I was a WWF guy, and I didn't really see him a whole lot until until he came out. You know, the first time I remember him is in that Royal Rumble where, where he mm-hmm. won the belt. Um, but now, as an adult, I've seen a lot of his stuff, and man, to me, he's the greatest on the mic that there's ever been. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And uh, you know, like he was saying, the way he sells stuff when he did the little face plant, when he gets slung into the into the turnbuckles and he fly over the ropes and walk down the side, 
That was great stuff. And and a star maker too, you know, like Sting in nineteen eighty eight was he had just come out of the UWF into WCW. He'd actually only been there for about less than six months, a virtual unknown. And then he got to go out and have a match with Flair on the Clash of the Champions opposite WrestleMania four. And Flair made him a star, you know, I mean, just wrestling Ric Flair could make someone a star. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and, and Nate, sorry, I don't want to, I'm a, I'm a huge Ric Flair guy. Sorry guys, I don't want to like step over anybody. Flair is is Aaron's fave. Yeah. All right. But, But even talking about like Sting, he would, Flair would go out and, give the big fuck you to the people that were trying to like hold him down a little bit. Like, like when Dusty had him, like Dusty tried to have him and Dusty never made a imitation Dusty Rhodes, but Dusty made an imitation nature boy and made um, Buddy Landell, the nature boy. And the minute they did that, Flair was like, Okay, what do I want to do? George South. <laughs> I'm going to have a 25 minute clinic with George South. And George South said, Ric Flair went in that locker room, looked at him, and said, Hey, George. George is like, What's up, Rick? And he's like, Tonight, you're Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> and he went out there and had the same. 25 minute match that he would have had with Ricky Steamboat with George South. And that match is on the network if you want to check it's it out. It's on the network yeah, and it's listen. fucking fantastic. I have to watch Flair, it because it's the first time hearing about it. Rick Flair is without a doubt the greatest living professional wrestler we have right now. He's, what do you think he's the best. What do you guys think about what he's doing right now with, uh, with, uh, what's her name? Lacey. Mm, I, I don't like it. And I'll tell you why I don't like it. All right. I would have been fine with the sugar daddy thing, but, but, and this is one of the big problems with WWE right now. Six months ago, they were just showing us Lacey Evans with her baby and yep. her husband. And she's a loving family. You know, it's, it's, it's like, they think we don't have an attention span at all. Like, we're just going to tell the story in the moment, and nobody will remember that. Yeah, nobody will remember yeah, yeah. she loves her her family. Who cares about her family? I mean, the story in and of itself is is fine. It's just like I said, they picked the wrong lady to do it with because they just got done telling that, that you know, that heartwarming story with her six months ago. Yeah. My problem my problem with it is isn't they 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 didn't pick the wrong lady because if Ric Flair is going to pick a lady on the roster, it's going to be fucking – Lacey Evans. Lacey. Yeah. My problem with it is that they keep having Charlotte Flair being like, I don't like my dad. I don't like anything about you. But she still comes out to his music. She still wears his robe. Like, she's basically doing his gimmick. It's like, if you don't like your dad, why are you doing his fucking gimmick? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The next guy, I mean, and and I I voted for him hands down, without a doubt. Because based on the criteria that I laid out, I don't know that anybody could argue with this man, The Undertaker. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you talk about somebody who 
I mean, top of the territory. If you're talking about territory or a wrestling company, the dude was on top of the company for 30 years, you know? I mean, and I'll let you guys elaborate, but I've also mentioned in a couple of these, if you think about WrestleMania in the post, like in the stadium era of WrestleMania, you know, you go WrestleMania 22, I think, was the last one that was in an arena. And then since 23, they've always been in a stadium. And in that era, Every WrestleMania, to be honest, the top draw from a lot of the years was not the championship. It was the streak, you know, so it, 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 it's it, that guy was such a big star that his match was bigger than the title match. A lot of years at WrestleMania, which is crazy to think about, but he was the guy putting the asses in the seats in those stadiums. You know, yeah, man, you're right. I didn't even think of that. Absolutely. You guys thoughts on the take? He's. He might just be the best of all time, man. And, you know, we're going to say that about a bunch of these guys on this list. Right. <laughs> you can't argue with his longevity, his popularity, uh, just how good he was for a big man, you know, walking the road. Just, you know, he's high flying sometimes. Uh, the storylines were always great. And when they, when he needed to change, he adapted with, with the times, you know. It just kept mm-hmm. on going. And probably to this day, he could probably still draw a sellout, you know. Yeah. He is where he is in his career, but. People will still pay to see that. Yeah, Nick Nick couldn't have said it any better. And as far you know, I would also add this: when Undertaker came in in '91 or '92, whenever it was '90, or um, if you look at, at the crowd, all the kids' faces, they were scared. You know, he was a legit bad guy. You know, mm-hmm. a legit scary guy, and he definitely played his role down to a T. As far as the look. Um, you know, all, all the matches that led up to, you know, the big matches, how you were saying on WrestleMania, you know, um, what he was explaining, you know, the, the, the rope, he walked on the rope. Undertaker, he is definitely uh, one of the pioneers of uh, WWF. And That's- something something that I just thought of now, after having this conversation like six or seven times, you look at WrestleMania, okay, like one of my fa- favorite matches of all time is WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, all right? Yeah. One of the best match. I don't know if anybody can deny it. No matter how, even if they don't like those two guys, how they can deny that it's one of the best yeah. matches of all time. The things that that guy could do later in his life with the injuries that he had, it's just a testament also to his ability and his talent. You know, you know, he went out there every night and he was in pain like hell. Yeah, you know, but he still went out there and gave you one of the best matches on the card. And yep. that's why when people like, you know, like the Goldberg Undertaker thing, all right, it was bad. But there's no reason to dog the dude. He exactly. gave you th- he gave you 30 really good fucking years. You know what I mean? Like if he goes out and has a stinker one night, who cares? You know. But that also goes to just you know show his love of the business going out there that broken down night after night WrestleMania mm-hmm. WrestleMania pay per view after pay per view and, and just keep on doing it, man. Yep. It says yep. a lot. And to go back on another thing, Danny was saying about how he was scary. That this is. A personal experience of mine, my dad had bought me tickets to go. We went to go see, you know, WWF, and I was scared shitless of The Undertaker. And I told my dad, I was like, I don't know where I want to go. I don't even <laughs> because Undertaker was legit scaring me when I was a little kid. Yep. You know, so he was definitely a scary guy, man. He played his role great. And he took a gimmick that was probably, to be honest, if you watch it, that gimmick wasn't meant to last. That gimmick was meant to be built up like, like a, say, like Zeus, you know. That gimmick, you could tell, that gimmick was made to be built up to fight Hogan, lose, and go away. 
Yeah. And that guy took it and made it 30 years and had a hell of a career. Absolutely. Real quick, what I was going to say about Taker is also um, say what you want to say about him, but that company, and when I say that company, I mean like Vince, because he's that company, had enough faith in that character and Mark Calloway as a man to be able to take people that might not necessarily be quote unquote great workers and put them with him and know that you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. You know, like, like King Kong Bundy, Bundy at WrestleMania 11 at the WrestleMania 11 era of Bundy, which Bundy was a a good bumper and all that shit, but Vince McMahon had enough faith in Mark Calloway to go, you know what? It might not be the greatest thing in the world, but Mark's going to get something out of Bundy. And Mark's going to get something out of Giant Gonzalez. And Mark's going to get something out of Jimmy Snuka in WrestleMania 7. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. These guys might not be that great, but if you put them with Mark, you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. The next guy we got to talk. Oh, the next guy we got to talk about, Bobby the Brain Heenan, <laughs> funniest, funniest motherfucker yeah. in the history of the business. Yeah, you know, hands down, manager of all time. Mm-hmm. And we've, I mean, we've actually had discussions on this show at times when you think about it from beginning to end of his career. He may be low key the greatest performer in wrestling history. You know, yeah, he checks every he, he checks every single box. You know, yeah. Um, but go ahead, guys. Bobby Heenan. To me, uh, Bobby Heenan was Jerry Lawler before Jerry Lawler. Um, he was definitely uh, the, when he went to commentating. He uh, he was definitely for the heels. He definitely tried to uh, embarrass the good guys. And I mean, he was pretty entertaining as far as a manager. You know, he managed the greats, uh, Andre the Giant. Um, he, he's definitely up there, you know, with Jimmy Hart. To me, it's between him and Jimmy Hart as far as one of the greatest managers ever. Uh, but, yeah, you, you got to give it to Heenan. You know, I miss the guy. He was definitely very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was he was great on the mic. He managed the best wrestlers. He, uh, you know, everything he did was just great. I, I don't even know what I can say bad about the man. I don't think there's exactly. – Nah, nah, there really isn't. Like you can't. Like, and I mean, his I, I his combo seven, with I, I his combo with Gorilla, You know, his combo with Gorilla, and um, even even at times him matched up with Vince. You know, he he would give Vince the shit. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Um, and like Aaron said, he could talk forever about Heenan because. I could talk uh, for seven have, hours about Bobby Heenan, man. He's we don't have man. that kind of time today, my friend. I know. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I, I could do that. But, like, uh, I, just, I think, Aaron, I don't know if I mentioned it off air or on one of the recordings we did when we were talking about Heenan. If you watch that Royal Rumble 92 and Flair wins the title. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things Heenan ever did in that Roddy Piper starts to help Ric Flair during the match. And, and – 
Pipe or Heenan's like, oh, I take back everything I ever said. That's a kilt, Piper. It's a kilt. You're a great man, Roddy Piper. Piper, Piper turns on Flair, starts beating him up, and Bobby Heenan's like, you skirt wearing suit. Like he just like you know, in a minute and a half, and it's yeah, like a baby yeah, yeah. face turn and a heel turn, and it's so perfect. It's so good. That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of Bobby, the next guy that uh, that is inducted was a guy that Bobby is very very intertwined with especially in our minds and our generation of wrestling fans, Andre the Giant. That's the, the, the world, man. The, the, the biggest guy that I can ever even remember, you know, Andre, I, he was great. He was a, a huge draw. Uh, travel the world wrestling, man. I, I mean, at one point he was the biggest name in all of wrestling until Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I wish we could have had more of Andre, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, it's it sucks that there isn't because I, I I read the the recent biography that came out about him, and you read about all the territories he worked in the seventies and yeah. and through the the late sixties and seventies. And like Nick said, he was he was the biggest draw in wrestling before Hogan came around. It sucks that there's not a lot of footage of that. You know, yeah. we don't all we, all we get to see is the stuff with Andre from the WWF from like 1970 something on. There's not a lot of footage out there to see of him, you know, in Japan in the 70s and, and in Montreal and all that to be able to see his career and when he was super mobile for his size. And I just I think it would be great to see some of that stuff. But unfortunately, it's lost to time. Yeah, it would be awesome. And like the same thing goes with the Hulk Hogan, how you were saying. You know, they didn't know who Ronald Reagan is, but they knew who Hulk Hogan was. Same thing with Andre the Giant. Everybody mm-hmm. knew who Andre the Giant was. Yeah. Aaron, anything on Andre? Um, I just think the the testament of just how much he loved the business and um what the guy went through to continue his career. Like he, he, he was, he was a good worker, uh, uh, not a good worker. He was a great worker when he was younger and like in the sixties and seventies and everything, but is a testament to the man going through being seven, four or whatever and sitting in the, in the airplanes and going to Japan and sit, but he did it because he loved the guys that he worked with and he loved the profession that he was in. And Andre the giant sacrificed so much in his life mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And like, definitely. If it, it, I, I don't want to ramble on, but that, you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, the documentary was great too. The one on HBO. If you haven't seen oh, yeah. it, yeah, yeah, very well done. Oh no, I know. What, what's the name of it? I think it's just called Andre the Giant. Yeah. It's yeah. on HBO Max though. It might be on the network too. I'm not sure, but it's definitely on HBO. The next guy, little controversial that has turned out with. Okay, the next guy we're going to talk about is hands down at end of story. At the end of the day, my favorite wrestler of all time. Okay. But, but I don't think, based on the criteria that I set forth for the Hall of Fame, that he should have made it into the first class. I actually didn't even vote for him, even though he's my favorite. And that's Macho Man Randy Savage. And I know when I say he shouldn't be in the first class of the Hall of Fame, people go, what the fuck? But I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer 
What I'm saying is based on that criteria that I laid out, there were other guys that I had to fight for to get in first. You know what I mean? Randy was great, but I think he, he, he suffered from playing second fiddle to Hulk for a lot of his career, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. He, he did, you know, he was great in the ring. He's one of the best talkers that there is. We're going to say this about a bunch of these guys. but Right. Uh, yeah, he did. He had to take a back seat to Hulk a lot, and that could have hurt him a little bit. Yeah, Macho was my second favorite, man. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing bad I could say about the guy. Oh, I'm just, no, no. I'm just thinking about him right now. He, I don't know if he was legit crazy <laughs> or if he was yeah, just he acting was. very good. You know? <laughs> he was but, great at staying in character, keeping the kayfabe going. That, I, I want to know, did anybody ever uh, yeah, mention yeah. was he legit, you know? You ever hear the Bad News Brown story? Let me Possibly. tell you, I'll yeah, tell you the Bad News Brown story real quick. Bad News in one of his shoot interviews was talking about how he was walking through the locker room one night. I've heard this. And Liz was sitting in Randy and Liz's locker room. And Randy wasn't there. And Liz goes, hey, Alan, come on in, sit down, have a chat. She's trying to be friendly, you know. Yeah. Bad News was like, fuck that shit. I'm not coming in there. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not even poking that dog with the stick. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no, Macho was great, man. From his entrance, um, he he did everything. You know, I, I, I'm imagining right now in my head, you know, his matches, the way he would just jump off the top of the, the, the ring, out the ring, you know, how he, he would jump over the top rope. Um, to me, as far as wrestling, you know, with the moves and everything, he – Hitman is number one and, and Macho is number two. That's how I look at it. And, I mean, you've talked about the promos. I've mentioned this a few times lately on the show, but right now, recently, one of my favorite promos ever is Randy at the Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view after Jake strikes Elizabeth. Just that raw, the raw emotion, you know, and the insanity in his eyes and everything. Like, I just, you, you, he's, he's on the TV and he's talking and you cannot look away. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, yeah. Can I ask yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? A quick question? Yeah. Um, just a just a quick poll. Is it you? You got to pick a combination: Randy Savage and Liz, or Randy Savage and Sherry. I I personally would go. I love Liz, but I would go with Sherry because she match. She can match that energy. You know, Goddamn right, man. Was a good they're, they're both psychopaths. It's like yeah. those two together is is fucking genius. Randy Savage and shit and 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 Sherry together is it's crazy. Uh, Sherry did that for a lot of people too. Yeah, she, she did. He should easily be on one of these one of these lists as well. Yeah, but but I always and and Savage and Liz were great together too. But I just always enjoyed Randy with Sherry so much better. Yeah, because they were so much of the same in, in the heel man mentality. And then you got Macho that's like, you know, he's super crazy. And then you got the perfect angel, Miss Elizabeth, over there with him. So, you know, it, it, yeah. either way it was good, but I agree with, with Sherry and him. They were a great combination. Yeah. So the next guy that we got to talk about, once again, like like Nick's kind of said a few times, you're not going to hear us say anything really negative about a lot of these people just because yeah. um, 
you know, it's the first class of the Hall of Fame. Obviously, everybody on here is a great, a great asset to the business. But the next guy, I don't know that you can argue Vince McMahon Jr. You know, we talked about Hulk Hogan, you know, defining the business, et cetera, et cetera. The the greatest wrestling promoter of all of our lifetimes, you know, is definitely Vince McMahon Jr. He changed the business. Um, He took it out of the territories and made it a mainstream industry and has has turned this company into one of the biggest, most profitable companies in the world. And a lot of people can say a lot of things about him as a as a man, as a businessman, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, he's made a lot of people a lot of money too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Without Vince, you don't have Hogan to the capacity we had him. You don't have mm-hmm. the Undertaker. I mean, you probably don't have HBK. You might not have Brett the Hitman Hart, Macho Man. He made a bunch of these guys that we all look up to and that are on this list. Without him, none of it. I don't think any of it happens. I agree. I agree. Also about Vince, I hate when I see negative uh, feedback on Vince because you got to understand this guy. He he wasn't only a business owner. He he commentated. He showed up at the arenas. He he lived WWF twenty four seven. That's a that's a great point. You know yeah. what I mean? He traveled yeah. with them. He he called the shots. He made sure everything was right. He prob- he gave it more than anyone else did, so he deserves. Vince deserves to do what he wants. Like people, people say like to like to shit on that he's got his hands and everything. And at the end of the day, it's all for Vince and blow. But you know what? Name me like kind of what Danny was saying. Name me a CEO of a company that is in the trenches with his employees every single week. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Say what you want about Vince wanting to have control, but in reality, he's there. You know, I mean, what's the Amazon dude's name? uh, Bezos, Jeff Bezos, or whatever. Yeah, did he ever let anybody fucking hit him in the head with a chair? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Vince McMahon did it. Did fucking um, Mark Zuckerberg ever? Exactly. let one of his employees like shove his ass in their face. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like no. Vince, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon has never asked anybody to do anything that he's for one not willing to do. And also something I was gonna say about Vince, and I'm not trying to like talk over you guys, is Vince McMahon is the greatest heel in professional wrestling history. He's definitely up there. He's the greatest heel in wrestling history. Like, like, you can't name me a better heel than Vince McMahon. Especially the character, because who doesn't want to kick their boss's ass, you know? Yeah, like, I'm not saying Vince McMahon. I'm saying, like, Mr. McMahon as a character is the greatest heel ever. He's, He's the best. Terry Funk, Terry Funk told Mick Foley, that the most hardcore wrestler ever was Vince McMahon. And Foley, yeah. Foley said he looked at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he said, because he does it and he doesn't have to. Yeah. 
You know, he could easily just sit there with his money and say, you guys go out there and and risk your life and limb. But Vince went out there and did it. You know, he went out there and took the bump off the cage or went out there and got busted open at WrestleMania 19 or what have you. So it's kind of something of what Terry said, you know, who's the most hardcore? It's Vince (laughs) because he doesn't have to do it, but he does it anyway. Look at it like that. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) He rubbed it off on his son, too. Yeah. (laughs) And and his daughter gets a bad rap. Steph gets a bad rap, in my opinion. It's because it's because internet fans are. I don't want to go into internet fans. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we hate it. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> the last guy we'll talk about getting inducted here. You know, we started with Hulk Hogan. You sandwiched the whole thing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh gosh. Um. Uh, okay, what I just said right there. This is the best heel ever. Do you have a Stone Cold Steve Austin without Vince McMahon? No. no. I mean, you may have a Stone Cold Steve Austin that's like a Dr. D. David Schultz or something, but you don't have a cultural icon yeah. Steve Austin yeah, without yeah, the Mr. Like he, character. He's not interviewing people on the WWE Network right now without a Vince McMahon. And, 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 and I'm not saying Steve Austin isn't great. I'm just using that as my caveat. On how yeah, any of your thoughts on Stone Cold? Without, I mean, Vince, without Vince there... You know, that huge rivalry to where everybody really, really started loving Steve for beating his boss's ass. You know, they just wouldn't be there. And, uh, man, I, there's nothing bad I could say about this man either, man. Mm. From when he was stunning Steve Austin all the way to, to the very end, even to now, you know, watching him on his podcast and his new show he's got going. Yeah. Great. And, and every every facet of the game, you know, can't say nothing bad about him. Let me ask you guys something. Do you think WWF is around today without Stone Cold? They were about it's a, done. It's they were around. About done. It, it would be around, but it wouldn't be what it is. It would have never got as big as it as it's gotten. You know, there's no rock. There's probably no rock at that point without mm. Stone Cold. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, Vince told Brett, "I'm I need to downsize to be a, a northeastern regional organization again." He was broke, you know, in '97. And yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's a, what if, you know, what if Stone Cold never rises up? What if after he gets his neck injured by Owen at SummerSlam, he never gets to wrestle again? Yeah, man. You know, I mean, just all those little things, those little puzzle pieces falling into place. And then also kind of, and it's not the same, it's not the same as Hogan where Hogan was the big baby face and he turned into the big heel. But Steve had almost has two careers too. You know, the stunning Steve career yeah. where he was, he was one of the better workers in the ring bell to bell. And then, you know, his injuries piled up and everything, but he took that and said, okay, I, for this stone cold character, I'm going to start to work a style that's different. Yeah. That I can work around my injuries. And he became more of a brawler, a badass brawler. Don't get me wrong. The matches yeah. were still great, but they were completely different than the matches he had as Stunning Steve. Yeah. Definitely adapted at the right time. And I mean, you could say he's he's right there in popularity with Hulk Hogan. Like, ten, you know, people 10 years older than all of us are, that is their Hulk Hogan. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think he's still. Probably the biggest merchandise seller ever for WWE, WWF. I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but oh, he is. Yeah, hands down. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. thought I was right there. I just didn't want to misquote something. You know. Uh, well, talk about the King of the Ring. If it wasn't, was it? Uh, 
trying to think. Was it Triple H that got in trouble and then Stone Cold took his place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because it was because the, the curtain call. Like Nash, oh, yeah. Nash and Hall were leaving. They 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 couldn't punish Sean because he was the champ. So Hunter had to eat shit and love the taste of it for a year, and he was supposed to win it. And Steve got put in there, and it was just happenstance, and it, it just took off from there. And Steve took it, ran with it, and did better than anybody else could. He and, took the King of the Ring and, and and put down one of the best promos ever ever laid out, in my opinion. And and it's like yes, like Steve Austin, like Stone Cold Steve Austin is a character, but it almost isn't a character. It's um, it's because Steve got told for so many years, like he's told a story when he was in um, the USWA. And was working for the Jarrett's. They gave him his check, and he was looking at it. And Jeff Jarrett looked at him because Jeff Jarrett was Jerry Jarrett's son, so he was making good money, obviously, because Jerry was taking care of his kid. Steve said he was looking at his check, and Jeff Jarrett looked at him. He goes, "You can stare at it all day, buddy, but it ain't gonna get any bigger." That that was his like introduction into professional wrestling. And then he goes to WCW and WCW works him forever. And then he gets hurt and they fire him while he's hurt. And then he gets the WWF and they tell him, you can't talk. Nobody's going to do anything with you. And then he gets thrusted into this spot. And then when he got in there, he was just like, fuck all of these people that told me that I can't do anything and I'm never going to be anything in this business and I'm here now and he just fucking turned it on and just fucking killed it and to me Steve Austin flipping people off and saying fuck you was actually Steve Austin like Steve Williams the man Saying fuck you, I'm never gonna let any people take this away from me again. I'm the best. I agree. I agree. Steve Austin, Steve, Steve Austin's story, when you bring it down that way, is fucking fantastic. Where is he on your list? On my list of like best wrestlers ever. Yeah. He he he's in my top three. Top three, yeah. Yeah. I hate to burn this out, but he's also the same. Like you're, we're talking about Andre and Hulk being super recognized. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Everybody knows who Hulk is. Everybody. Celebrity, knows. celebrity death match, baby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that covers the the uh, the hall, the class, the first class. I'm gonna spend the last maybe 15 minutes here just touching on. I've got who Danny and Nick kind of nominated for the the hall. And to talk about a few of the guys that you you nominated and gals that didn't get in, and um, just quickly some reasons you think they should be. Are you going to throw support behind them? And then I have a couple too that I'll bring up that I'm going to keep trying to get in as the years go on. But Nick, one I want to talk to you about that you nominated, um, and and we talked about this in one of the episodes because we were talking about tag teams 
and okay, how are we going to do this? Because we're brand new doing this thing. How are we going to work tag teams? So what I said was, okay, you got Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty as the Rockers, but we've nominated Shawn Michaels as a singles. I think Shawn Michaels' career, I, I call his career a singles career, even though he was in a tag team. So for him, I'd put him in as a singles. But for somebody like, say, the Rock and Roll Express that spent their whole career pretty much as, as a unit, you know, being associated with each other, we would induct them as a tag team. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because Nick actually nominated the Road Warriors um, to be Which in the Hall should, of Fame. They should be in there. Yeah. <laughs> right behind. It's, it's hands down the best tag team of all time. You know, they could work the ring. They could work the mic. Uh, their look was super polarizing. Uh, they had it all. Every bit of it, man. You talk about charisma, too. I mean, yeah. just charisma out there, you know, just exploding with charisma. And um, an attraction. You know, we talked about attractions like Andre and Hogan and, and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Somebody, well, uh, somebody that I'm not paying, I'm going to be happy that I get to watch Tito Santana wrestle Kurt Henning in a good wrestling match. But I definitely... I'm also there to see that attraction, like someone like the Road Warriors, you know, the ones that are putting the asses in the seats. It's uh, like if you if 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 you ask somebody to draw a professional wrestler, they're going to draw Hulk Hogan, and then you say, "Okay, draw me a wrestling tag team." They're going to draw you. They're going to draw you somebody with face paint. That's what's going to happen. You you see they they go to these promotion promotion to promotion just to go in for one match to get the tag belts. I mean that's how popular these guys were. They could go mm-hmm. in there and sell out anything. Just just the same as Hogan or Andre. Right. Where they go, they're putting the asses in the seats. And hands down, best tag team ever. That's the truth. Another person that you nominated that would actually, to be honest, be the first woman that I would nominate. I didn't nominate her this year. But if I was going to nominate a woman, and I think I discussed this in, in one of our other uh, discussions, that I may even try to nominate her to get her in next year, is Sensational Sherry. We talked about her earlier. Um, to my mind, best female in wrestling history. Uh, I'm right there with you on that. Uh, just like the criteria you put down, 10 years, on the mic, in the ring, the wrestling look, you know, I mean, she had it all. She was great. And on top of that, the, the the people that she managed and helped, you know, propel them into stardom. I mean, mm-hmm. it goes on and on and on. In my opinion, you're right. The greatest uh, greatest female in w, in wrestling history. And one more that you nominated. That- well, well, can I say, oh. can I add one thing about Sherry? Mm-hmm. What, in my opinion, makes her great is... And this is gonna. This might sound stupid. I don't know, but when somebody would bumper, you wouldn't think, "Oh man, that guy just beat up a woman." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like when yeah. she would get bumped. It, like, like when Jake like smacked Elizabeth, you were like, "Jesus Christ, you son of a bitch! You just hit Elizabeth." <laughs> you know, but but when Sherry got bumped, you were just like, "Yeah." She probably deserved it. Yeah, it's like she was like a dude. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she fit right in that's with the guys. She had a, a super strong personality. That's how fucking tough she was. Yeah, she was great. And just one more I wanted to bring up that Nick nominated, and then we'll get to a couple that Danny did and then wrap it up, is one that I think with some of the people that we've had on the panels um, might at this point, and I don't know why, because I actually agree with Nick on this one, might get a little resistance, uh, maybe because they're pining for guys from the 80s and the 90s or what have you. But Nick actually nominated Randy Orton, and I – I thought about putting Randy on my list because when I'm thinking, if I'm thinking about the entire scope of the history of professional wrestling, this dude has had a 20 year career. You know, he's wrestling now. So people I think still kind of had that mindset. Like he's a, a young, you know, he's one of the newer generation or whatever, but literally Randy Orton is in his career right now where Terry Funk was in 1994 when he was helping up start ECW. You know what I mean? Like timeline wise and everything. So when you think about Orton in, in this modern time, he's a legend. And I think it's time to start talking about him being a hall of famer. 100% man. He, he's another one of those polarizing guys that's had a great career from start to now. And in my opinion, he's the best worker in the business right now. That's still working. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's great. He could be a good heel. He's the, He's a great heel. Let's, let's go ahead and say that. And then, uh, you know, he could also flip it, and he was an okay babyface as well. So, and his move sets are great. His I love his mic seals are good. I mean, I love Randy except when they have him in a in a in a luchador mask with a sunburn. Other than that, yeah. other than that, I'm I'm good on it with Randy Orton. Halftime show. I I'll say this about Randy, and it's the same thing I've said to a couple of my friends that are wrestling fans. It's the same thing I'll say about AJ Styles. Like I've watched AJ Styles entire career and I've watched Randy Orton's entire career and I've never seen them be bad. Yeah. Like not, not like a bad guy. I'm just saying like, I've never seen Randy Orton do anything where he was working like he yeah. might have had a stupid storyline or something, but I've never seen Randy Orton have a bad match. Yeah, me neither. Randy Orton's fantastic. The only reason I wouldn't put him on my list is because there's there's so many people in front of him, and I get that. But I was trying yeah. to I was trying to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, that, I get that. That's yeah. also what that's also what I think is going to be so fun about this as the years go on. You know, because you're like you're like now I've started looking at my list already for next year, and I'm like playing chess with it. You know, like I want to get yeah, this motherfucker like, like, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you like see like how Nick was with with Randy. Let's like you know you were talking about like people that like Randy's got all this time. Still to go. It's like I put like guys like Stu Hart and Gorgeous George on my list because people probably might not put them on there, you know. Mm-hmm. But but eventually Randy should be on there, and Randy should, honestly is uh, Randy's honestly a great pick because that dude does nothing bad at all. Yeah, he, he's yeah. he's at, uh, the last thing I'll say, and then Nate can move on. Randy Orton, to me, and this might be out of left field, is the Jake Roberts of his generation. That's a good comparison. I, I, 
I can see that. I mean, and I, I see that definitely from the promo ability and stuff. I, like I said, I don't know. I promo, always, fall, I, I always fall, everything I that in, he does means something. Yeah. And Jake yeah. did that. And I guess that's why Jake, I, in my mind, I compare him to Terry Funk too. Like he, yeah. I don't know. I just see Terry Funk in him a lot of the time, a different, a different iteration of Terry Funk. But so Danny, Yep. A couple of the guys that you nominated that didn't get in this year that I wanted to bring up just to get your thoughts on that, yep. just like we did there. Um, and, and this one is another one I can see, especially um, digging back into his time in Memphis, too, is Jimmy Hart. Oh, yeah. Um, I know you said he was, he, was, he was right behind Bobby for you for favorite manager. Oh, yeah. Um, I, could, I could see making a case for Jimmy Hart. So I had the opportunity to hang out with Jimmy Hart for a few hours. Uh, I think it was December, right? So he told me something that stood out to me. So um, the reason why he was um, manager for the wrestlers, right, was they, they were asking questions. It was one of those uh, online uh, uh, things, right? Mm-hmm. So long story short, Vince – oh, but I'll tell you another story about Jimmy. So Vince – had all these uh, monster heels, but they couldn't cut promos and they just needed a manager. And I forgot who he said he was just a manager for at the time, that it was just 24-7. He was their manager, and he was waiting at the gorilla uh, section. And he goes, all these other managers, uh, Slick, everybody, after their match, they would just go to the hotel and just call it a night. And Jimmy was the only one, he was saying, he was the only one that stood around from the beginning to the end. And... Uh, I don't know if, if he spoke to, I believe it was Patterson, he said, that Patterson was the one that told him, go out with him, go out with him, just go out with him. And then that's how it made it a factor. That's why we always saw him with different wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And then another, another story was that he told me, which I found interesting, was um, I don't remember where they were. It wasn't in the United States. But he goes, he was in the dressing room. And at the time, um, Jimmy Hart was just a manager, regular manager and, you know, with wrestlers. And how Vince came back uh, to the locker room with the with the megaphone, and it was a megaphone for one of the securities in the arena at the time. And he he looked at Jimmy. He said, "This is your new thing, talking to the megaphone." <laughs> Jimmy told me so. It was a cool story to hear, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And, well, and Jimmy definitely like we were talking about uh, a, a different a different type than Sherry or Bobby. But Jimmy was also that guy. He would get in the ring and take that bump, you know. And, and- well, he was annoying. His voice was annoying. <laughs> and, and Jimmy was great too because he was a chameleon. Yeah, like whatever wrestler he was managing at the time, that's the wrestler I'm going to look like. Right. You know, yeah. it's like okay, I'm going to manage Honky Tonk Man now. Okay, I'm going to wear Honky Tonk Man's outfit. And now I'm going to manage the nasty boys. And now I'm going to dress like the nasty boys. Like he would, he he changed outfits and he accentuated the people that he was working with instead of attempting to somewhat overstage them. He accentuated what his team was. Yeah. And, And another reason why Nate is I, uh, wanted Jimmy Hart in the hall of fame was because of Jimmy Hart, I mean, a lot of these wrestlers, I got to be careful how I word it, but he made a lot of their songs. Um, Demolition, he made Demolition's music. 
Um, I think he made like everybody's, but Hulk Hogan's, it seems like, right? <laughs> Yeah, him and him and Jim, him and Jim Johnston collaborated on a lot yeah, of the WWF. Yeah. He made Shawn Michaels. He made the Nasty yeah, Boys. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Um, and I don't wait. It wasn't Jim Johnson. It was the other guy. Um, Jim Johnson was the nineties. What was the other? JJ uh, McGuire. Yes. Yeah. JJ, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have made it with uh, Jim Johnson, but as as far as I mean, tell me if I'm incorrect, but. Uh, all those little Hasbro's. We were humming those Jimmy Hart songs. Right? <laughs> he's that's a honky tonk baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, without without the music, and and that's my my problem with today's wrestling. Um, I kind of uh, I'm sort of a loser the way you know my excuses of not liking today's wrestling, but a lot has to do with the character and the, the lack of music. It all sounds generic. It sounds like video game music. I mean, yeah, when that I, shit hits, you know who's coming out. Yeah, you know, like, so J- Jimmy Hart, you know, he's he definitely, he 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 made his uh his mark in WWF, you know. I, I feel that the way Vince McMahon, how he p- played a huge role, Jimmy Hart was right there with him, you know. And one more that I will bring up that Danny nominated, yeah. and I can, I can see this guy too, because, I mean, we talked about Hulk Hogan earlier. We talked about Randy Savage and cutting those promos. Who's the guy that helped him lead him through those promos? It was Mean Gene Okerlund. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. you think about the professional wrestling from from 1984 until even into WCW through 19 maybe 98. Um, there's Mean Gene, you know, yeah. being being that familiar face every single week. Yeah. Um, I miss the guy. I mean, uh, he it's just like when I think about it, wrestling was like perfect in the 80s. You had you had the, the right. Uh, what do you call it? Um, the characters. You had the right gimmicks. You had everything that needed to be. You had the monster heels. You had the monster managers. Then you had Mean Gene and everybody looked forward to those promos and who to lead it? Mean Gene. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, I feel that you know he had a great impact. Um, it, it was just, it was great. You know, it, it really was great to have him. He felt like a family member to me, man. Like, you know, hearing his voice, it's like when when we lost him, man. That one was one that hit me really hard, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. He felt like such a big part of me growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that way about Gene, and I feel that way. And I don't know, I don't know how about about how much. Um, earlier NWA and stuff you guys have watched. Bob Cottle. I feel that way about Bob, Bob Cottle, too, um, the guy that used to commentate for Mid-Atlantic and then WCW in the early days. That's He actually, he when he uh, introduced, I don't want to get off on a tangent. We're going to sign off, I swear. But when he introduced a wrestling show, he would always say, hello, wrestling fans. And then go into his thing, you know. Yeah. Hello, wrestling. You know, welcome you to the, that's yeah. that's actually the way. The reason I say hey, re- hello, wrestling fans, when I start this show is an homage oh, to Bob Cottle, you know, just because hey, welcome in. Like you were saying about Gene being a family member, welcome in. I'm going to be the voice to lead you through this yeah. this violence <laughs> for the next yeah. hour. And and, right. and Gene was great because he storyline wise or. Kayfabe wise, whatever you want to say, it was these wrestlers might be insane and they might want to beat the shit out of everybody else. But when Gene shows up, he's just like, hey, 
<laughs> and then the wrestler's like, oh, Gene's talking to me right now. Yeah. I, I better <laughs> the respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like nobody just smacking Gene around, you know? You know what I mean? Like he'd get his lawyers anyway. That's what he always tells yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like Gene Gene was like the only guy that could look at these wrestlers and be like, shut the yeah. Shut that shit down. Talk to me right now. You know? yeah. And he and, came with and, excitement. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he was great at even better than Bob Keitel. And, and nay, I love Bob Keitel. But even better than him, Gene was fantastic at keeping those guys on point. Mm hmm. Keeping the interview, you know. Okay, we got we got a minute thirty. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that being said, we the the third and final iterate or third and final episode of the Hall of Fame series of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nick, Danny, I want to thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Oh, thanks for having us, man. And now that we now that we've it was done nice it once, you guys. yes. Now that we've done it once, maybe we can do it again sometime. Can't wait. All right, time, man. We're always ready. Yeah, yes. like we said at the beginning of the show, don't forget it on Facebook. Join Fandemonium. Hook up with that group. It is a great place to be. And thank you, I'll everybody. Join, I'll we'll join as soon as we log off here. There you go. Come on. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. Have a good, good night.